it didn't hit me really until I was in cheerleading because it's such a team first atmosphere and there's not a lot of room for individual representation. Um, things like if you don't go, then your team can't practice. So now you're stuck. Do I observe a holiday? Do I not eat to observe a holiday or do I help my team out? And after going through that journey of college cheer, I really didn't see any reason why I couldn't bring that side of me back to gymnastics. I'm Pam Jimdar, and you're listening to Better Late. Hey everyone, welcome back to Better Late's regularly scheduled programming for 2022. I recently had the chance to chat with a Canadian gymnast who, in addition to getting a late start in gymnastics, returned to competitive form after a seven-year break. Perry Goodman recently qualified to represent Canada at the upcoming 2022 Maccabee Games. She came back to her home gym after focusing on cheerleading in college and suddenly discovered what it was like to train after Canada had transitioned to using the Junior Olympic code. We talk about representation and authentic expression through sports, training after hiatus, and why doing gymnastics you love that loves you back is different and effective for everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I started kind of late for a gymnast, especially for Americans listening. I didn't start competing until I was 10. And I'm lucky that at my gym, we also offered tumbling and trampoline. So I was able to make that switch when my bars was my lacking event. So I stayed in tumbling until I finished high school. And then during university, I had this like reevaluation of, I guess, of how I want to still be a gymnast. Cause I still really love the sport, but there's no college gymnastics in Canada. We have a it's a very small community of people who do adult gymnastics. So I walked on to my university's cheerleading team and was very happy with that for a while, but I knew it wasn't the gymnastics that I still loved. So when I graduated from university, I decided to call up my home club and said, hey, can I come back and try this for a year? And they were very welcoming and brought me back for an extra year this, like for, for this season. Well, that's great. You mentioned that at the gym you started, they had tumbling and trampoline. Do you do all four events right now? Yep, I do all four. I really used to love tumbling, and that was where I felt like gymnastics was something that I could love, and it would love me back. But I think when you go back to gymnastics, you miss the events. You don't just miss drilling out passes. Right, exactly, exactly. How long have you been back at your home club? I've been back since June. So you've been back with your home gym for a year. Have you been competing at all or are you doing any competitions soon? I actually got back into gymnastics because of a Facebook ad I saw. And there was a call for Canadian gymnasts who are Jewish, who are older than 2004. And I said, I'm definitely older than 2004. I think if I go back, I can be at the level they want. And so I've been training with my home club with the intent to compete within our Gymnastics Ontario season, but also to compete at the Summers Maccabia Games. But it just turned out like right place, right time for me because I had finished school and I was moving back home. And I said, you know what? It's not going to be easier if I try again in four years. So let's see what happens now. And if a 23-year-old body can do it, that's great. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And you bring up a really good point that I often tell myself and other <laughs> other people, like friends, not like guests necessarily, but at a certain point as a gymnast, you have to, if you keep coming back to it, you might as well just admit that you're not really going to stop until you do it up to a certain point. Like yeah. your, if your desire is still there, it's, you should do it now rather than later because like life only gets more complicated. You know, the older you get, whether you are working or have a family or for whatever reason, anything that life throws at you, it's always just 
just do it now. <laughs> I found that, especially like with cheerleading university, we had won a whole bunch of competitions. That was great. And I could list here, but like people want to listen for gymnastics. So I'll stay away from that. I mean, um, you can talk about it if you want. <laughs> oh, we had won a few world championships and my team was one of the teams the IOC looked at when they were making their case of we want cheerleading to be an Olympic sport. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I'll use it. I'll tell people that until they don't want to listen to me anymore. But I found even after winning all these things and like the idea of going back and winning again, I still really wanted to prove that I could do it in gymnastics. And then we had our shutdown for a year and a half out of Ontario sports. And I thought that, okay, I'm not going to keep doing better if I don't get in the gym as soon as I'm allowed to get in the gym. And I think that push for like wanting to do it better while my body can still handle it. And while I know that my head's fully in it is what got me back as as quickly as it did. It's super impressive that your team was one of the teams that the IOC looked at. You mentioned that you participated in virtual trials for the upcoming Maccabee Games. So you did make the team, right? Yeah, I made the team in October. And you said that it was a long shot to get back into shape after seven years. I mean, I bet. So how long did it take you to get? I, I don't, I mean, I, I mean that like in general, I bet it was like, it would be tough for anybody in, in this sport, especially. So how long? Would you say it took you to get back into shape? This is a three-part question. How long did it take you? Like, what do you consider? Like, how did you know? Like, okay, I am back in the shape that I need to be. And what did you do training-wise to get there? Oh, that is a huge three-part question. So, (laughs) So getting back into shape for me is just as much mental as physical because gymnastics is such a technical, like numbers-driven sport. So to get back into shape, I needed to be in there as much as I could over the summer, but also respect that my body didn't want to be there every day. So mentally, I wanted to be in there every single morning I could, but my body only wanted to be there every other day. So I was really fortunate that my coaches were building a schedule with me. So they said, you know, Perry, you really love TNT when you were here last. What if you added a day of TNT at like a deload day where you can just focus on legs and air awareness rather than doing all around every day you're here? So I was really happy about that. And it was also hard to get back into shape because the code of points was different when I last did gymnastics. (laughs) Canada had not yet had a JO code. So I came back to my gym and all of a sudden there's kids with these amazing foundations because they had compulsory routines. And I'm trying to learn these skills that they had since they were nine years old. Can you, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say Canada didn't have JO? Yeah, we didn't, we used an open-ended point system with a separate D and E until I was 15. And then by the time they introduced compulsory, I was already in tumbling. Oh, wow. So, so the Canadian gymnastics system just overall didn't have that, didn't participate in that code of points until later. It was a similar code, but it was very separate D and E. And I think that was initially there to help people with the elite pathway, but with more Canadians wanting to do NCAA, it made sense for us to adopt JO in the last five, six years. So does that mean you were essentially learning compulsory skills officially for the first time? No, I didn't want to do anything compulsory. My body's just not enough back flexibility to do what compulsory skills need. Um, Okay. Okay. And my coaches knew that with the goal of me competing in a, a competition scored under fig at the Maccabi games, there was no point in doing that. So I went right with the optional six to eight group, but it was hard for me to um, understand the way that JO routines are built because that wasn't the last time I did level six, seven, eight training and learning with these kids, like they had it ingrained and they're like, oh, that was easy. It was my level four routine. And I'm thinking back, like my level four routine was a joke compared to this. I don't know what you're talking about level four. Yeah. Um, even in the U S like 
what I did as an adult, like 10 years ago, level five is like level three. Now it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. like how much it's changed. Well, I think back to coaching. I had a summer job one year at international gymnastics camp and the way they taught me about those levels was so different because I was translating from Canadian, like Ontario competitive program to JO and also from the Canadian words for skills to American words for skills and to the English words. Cause we had so many um, English uh, coaches also working there. And my brain was just so thrown for a loop there. And I thought like, it's fine. I'm probably out of the gymnastics world. I'm in a cheerleader now. It's fine. I come back and I'm going through all this again with my home team. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Were you basically training? You mentioned doing one full day of only TNT. How many days a week were you then training to get back into shape? In the summer, it was three. So I would train Monday and Wednesday mornings and then Thursday night for trampoline and tumbling. Did you do anything else on top of the gymnastics training? Like, like did you like go running or just anything else? Cardio or or weights wise just to get into shape or was it mainly just the gymnastics shape because I always think like for adults it really depends on how long you've been away but like I'm planning to go back to training and it's it's been 10 years since I've really trained in an atmosphere where it's not just an open gym setting so I'm finding that like I just I have to get back into like somewhat of a normal like for me healthy physical shape and then I can worry about the gymnastics shape. For sure. I found that I didn't need to work out as much as I thought I did, partially because gyms were closed and I couldn't, but also just because I knew that like post um, workout, just taking care of my body and making sure I'm icing and making sure I'm taking a, a good hot shower after gym and rolling up my muscles, that would be more beneficial to me than continuing to pick up weights. And I found that also that time was a great time, a good half an hour block in my day where I could sit and learn the new fig code because it changed from 21 to 22. Mm-hmm. And that would just help me be smart with my training. So it wouldn't hurt as much the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's fascinating. How long do you think it took like when you started until you were like, okay, like, I mean, I, I'm, I know that as a gymnast, it's not like you just were like, oh, I'm back into shape. And now I stop. No, obviously not. But like, how long do you think it took for you to be like, okay, now I feel like I'm where I want to be. And maybe at least mentally, like you get that satisfaction of now I can just focus on the routines or uh, learning new skills. It took me until I want to say the end of September. Um, And that was just until I knew that I wasn't subbing out drills that my teammates could do and I couldn't. And September was a weird month to to judge that because I'm so in and out of the gym for a lot of significant Jewish holidays. And my teammates are in there every day and they're 16 and their bodies can be in there every day. And I'm trying to like avoid hurting myself and also upholding a culture. It's, it's a very hard month to judge where you're at, but I feel like September was when I knew I was making the progress I wanted to. So you came back, you got into shape again with through like what sounds like a really inspiring and amazing process. And now you're slated to compete for Canada at the upcoming Maccabee games. What does that mean to you to compete at that competition? Um, On a service level, it means I've done well within my sport and within the Canadian culture of Jews in sport. But to me, like personally, my first international competition was in Poland, which was very significant to me because my family had actually been kept in the, in the ghettos of Woj and we competed in Woj um, for team Canada. 
And I feel like I never got the full experience out of that because I had to live this double life of athlete, but also Jew visiting a significant area and competing in Israel this summer will be important to me because it's completing that march from a sad place to a happy place in my culture. I think if there's any two destinations you'd want to have, if you can pick them out, those would be it for me. And I would be happy to retire after that games, knowing that that's the journey I've made with my sports. Yeah. I think that's great. And how you, you phrased a double life of, of, of an athlete, as well as making this journey that, that has a very uh, personal and cultural significance to you. Do you feel extra pressure on your gymnastics? Okay. <laughs> you do <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the pressure really comes in the artistic choices in the sport. So like when it comes to choosing floor music, which I could geek about all day, pick a new floor music every three weeks, like I'm that kind of athlete, but there really was pressure for me to pick a song that was Jewish inherently. And I absolutely love Ali Reisman. And I grew up watching her on TV in her first games and her second games. So I knew that it was possible to use a Jewish song, Chava being hers and using Kalinka at her second games. I was like, this is awesome. I wish there's more of this but I don't want to use those songs because she has those and that's kind of taken and now it's expected. So I went through this whole long journey of finding songs that I liked, but also songs that wouldn't be seen as too political because you're always going to have teammates who don't like that you're expressing yourself authentically in sport. So I had settled on a medley of songs from Fiddler on the Roof, which I really, really love, but it became difficult to build a medley around not using if I were a rich man, because you don't want to be a trope when you're building a celebratory piece of floor music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to, to sort of build that, that journey of making my floor music and sourcing and cutting and choreographing. Because when I was younger in gymnastics, I always wanted to be the kid using classic rock. Um, and I didn't feel at all this time, like I was letting down classic rock Perry by picking Ashkenazi music Perry, because I know there's always going to be a kid that comes after me that wants Rolling Stones floor music but there's not always going to be a kid who feels so comfortable to use music from their own heritage. I felt like that was the right decision, even though it was a very taxing and drawn out decision. Looking back on doing gymnastics as a kid, and you mentioned the Perry that wants to do classic rock. Do you think that you understood the significance of, you know, representation in sport? Do you think that you were cognizant of of maybe a representation gap growing up? Not really as a kid. Um, I was definitely the only Jew in my training group. There was one Jewish coach, maybe two other Jewish athletes between men or TNT, but I didn't know that I could think of it because it wasn't there at all for me to try to push it further. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't hit me really until I was in cheerleading because it's such a team first atmosphere and there's not a lot of room for individual representation. Um, Things like if you don't go, then your team can't practice. So now you're stuck. Do I observe a holiday? Do I not eat to observe a holiday or do I help my team out? And after going through that journey of college cheer, I really didn't see any reason why I couldn't bring that side of me back to gymnastics. And it's interesting because a lot of athletes who I see represent their faith in sport usually are Christian athletes who wear a cross. And I'm just thinking, great, well, I can't wear jewelry doing gymnastics. So how am I going to do this? And to me, the most obvious way was the floor music that we talked about. Yeah. So as you are training for the upcoming games. Is there anybody else in your gym who is 
training for that or do is your team made up of people from like all or all across Canada and have you met any of them um so I've only met my team for the games through zoom meetings because Canada is just so big and all of us actually come from a different gym within the women's team which is really great because a lot of the time um, minority populations are condensed into the city hubs so it's really great that we have teammates from Toronto, but also from Windsor, which is closer to Detroit and from Manitoba and from Montreal. Like we've, there's a team that's pretty spread out, um, but I haven't met any of them yet. And I'm looking forward to it. What do you think is going to come for you after the games? Do you, I mean, I think I already know the answer to this question, but are you planning on <laughs> continuing in gymnastics? And also, I don't, I don't know if we really touched upon it. You mentioned you know, you've been training like level six to eight, um, like what level are you at now? And are you like long-term, do you have a certain type of competition or level in mind? Well, my goals, obviously like to, to go to the games, retire after the games, but while I'm there, I want to know that my body is healthy and doing every skill that I know I can, because I tend to get hesitant in building compositions. And I know that I do a great routine but it wasn't the hardest routine that I was training. Um, and I really, and that's the same in cheerleading for me. And I want to go completely like balls to the wall when I compete. If I know it's my last time and I'm setting it as my last time. Yeah. Oh, you are setting it as your last competition. Should I be healthy and can do all around? Yeah. I, I want that to be my last. I think after you compete so often internationally, you're just not satisfied having a regional event be your last one. So right now, as you are training back in the gym, what does the rest of your team look like in terms of age? And are, are you all similar levels or are you training with, for example, just like the optional girls? So the, the levels vary. Um, so my training group right now is, I want to say 12 to I'm 23, but really 12 to 17. And just because the gymnastics climate in Canada is so small, most gyms have one optional group and then compulsory groups based off of their age. So everyone who's over level six at my gym trains together. And it's great because you get a lot of different perspectives on how kids view the sport and how the sport loves the kids back in different ways. My, my gym really, really sticks to the philosophy of for the love of it and how the coaches help kids find different parts of gymnastics that they can love, but will love them back too, even if it's not doing women's artistic until you graduate and go to college. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And it, it shows when we train in our optional group, the staff are great. It's, it's totally different because in the six years, seven years since I've trained there, there's been a total cycle of people moving in and out. Like most gyms have a four-year cycle of athletes who then leave to go to college, then come back. And there's a four years is the span for that. Um, and now I'm actually being coached by my former teammate. Oh, wow. So it's, um, it's a really cool dynamic because that sets the bar for my teammates to know, look, Perry is older than you, but also Perry can keep up with you. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Going back to what you mentioned about finding the part of the sport that loves you back. I love that. And it's not really emphasized enough because there are so many, at least with what I'm familiar with in the U S the the compulsory and then optional is it's like, you don't have the choice. Uh, you have to do all four, at least if you're on the JO path, is that something that the coaches and the gymnasts kind of discover together? And what do you think the line is between, Oh, this, this skill or this discipline doesn't love me back, but sometimes it's, you just need to, you know, tweak what you're doing and, and just give it like a little bit more effort 
Um, and then, and then it can love you back. Like, where do you, like, how do you, how do you find exactly what aspects of the sport you should be pursuing because you're going to do great at it? So with me competing before compulsory routines happened, um, we actually had the opportunity to specialize, pick two events, as long as you're over level seven, because Ontario for a long time had event finals at championships, and you could still qualify through that route if you were an amazing specialist. Um, and I hated bars and bars hated me back. So my coaches and I kind of sat down and I was like an angsty little 10th grade kid. And we said, you know what? Bars isn't working. Let's amp up your beam and floor and you can do beam and floor. And so that was a very temporary solution, but it was a way that gymnastics could love me back later in my career. When I went back to all around, because I missed the events, it still just became clear. My leg events are my way stronger ones. And I really craved qualifying to next levels and qualifying for the tournaments and just getting that recognition that I think every teenager wants in the sport. Um, so for me, the way for gymnastics to love me back the way I wanted it was to do tumbling. And that came with a decrease in hours. So I could like get my head a little bit of rest and it came with further opportunities in the sport. Like I had qualified to be the alternate for a team that traveled to British Columbia to do a tour because Ontario gymnastics, like a lot of the regions in the U S have a tour competition to go to. So while I didn't get to go, I thought it was really cool that suddenly I was in this pool of athletes that they were picking from. I'm very conscious of the way that our coaches get Jim to love you back. And I say it a lot later in my career when it became clear that I didn't, like I wasn't going to stay for my gap year and keep training. It became a shift of, okay, how are we going to get you into college cheerleading? Because a lot of our gymnasts go into college cheerleading and that's their way of still being involved in the sport. So they would help you look at teams that we know we had alumni cheer for. Um, they would look at schools that were close to adult gymnastics programs. Um, coaching is the answer for a lot of people. If skills don't love them, but they still really enjoy being involved in the atmosphere and are good teachers. So that's how it was for me. For my teammates now, like you don't have the choice of movement in compulsory, but a lot of my, a lot of the athletes at my gym, like when it comes to level five or six, and I remember this when they just started introducing compulsory and I had teammates who were still in artistic um, the choice for them was to go six. So they had choices over their skills. So it wouldn't hurt them more rather than stay in five, which might've had an easier pool to compete against. And that was a way just to keep people excited about gymnastics, to give them some opportunities to do skills that wouldn't strain injuries. And it's a, it's a strategy. I think more teams should look at, although I don't know how mobilization works in the U S. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it's definitely a strategy that should be utilized more because I, I think that the way a lot of gyms and coaches look at gymnastics is the right way to look at it. If you're trying to build an Olympic athlete, but I mean, even realistically speaking, I mean, only six people are going to become Olympians, six, five, four, whatever it is, every four. If your country has a team, it's six or five people. Right. Right. And building that system and way of looking at it, like, Oh, you, there's like one right way to do everything. And there's a sequence. I mean, that's always been my experience, like no matter what gym, even if, even when I was a rec gymnast, I was always like very conscious of like, you didn't have a choice. It was never about like, let's focus on, and I wish it had been. Cause I remember like on, on, you know, things like beam, I could get like certain dance skills much more quickly. And I'm sure if I had spent more time on that, I, I probably could get like a lot of really like advanced tricks, but I was always like, just more focused on what I couldn't do. Like, Oh, I got to work on the back walkover. I hope I never, I never even want to do a back walkover on beam. Like I never got it. And I, now that I'm an adult, 
I never want to now that I know that like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't even like back walkovers on the floor, but anyway, I'm getting off. Oh, you know, I will be the cartwheel round off of late, not the back walkover back handspring <laughs> level eight. Um, but you remind me. So when I was younger, our version of level three, you had to have two acros on beam, but only one needed to go through handstand. So a lot of us did front roll on a cartwheel. And I would always roll over my scrunchie and blame my scrunchie for falling off the beam instead of just taking the accountability that an 11 year old should and saying, okay, I fell off because I'm not good at front rolls. Um, So I'm with you on that. There are some skills I won't touch and I'm just happy I don't have to because I'm not in level three anymore. And now I don't even think it's in our code. So whether or not they listen to me or if they just decided on their own to take it out, either way, I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a great philosophy to find the aspect of gymnastics that you love, that loves you back. And as you mentioned, that can change because you returned to doing all four events later when you decided that you craved that. And I think if anything else that shows like gymnastics can be a very fluid sport and your experience can be very fluid because especially as we continue building adult gymnastics and making it more accessible. I mean, people's career span of doing gymnastics is just going to, is going to stop being like four to 16. And I mean, I hope, I love that you started at, you started competing at 10. And I, I think that like widening, even starting like a gymnast should be, I, I mean, I think it makes sense. Like you, you should still be able to start gymnastics at like seven or eight and, and not feel like, darn it. I should have started when I was three. Like well, you should have told me that when I was 10. <laughs> I, I was really missing somebody telling me that, or I was missing me listening, but either way, I, I needed to know that when I was younger. Really? Did you feel yeah. that when you were 10, that you were, you had started so late and that you had a lot of catching up to do? Oh, you don't notice it. I think when you train in your regular group, because your group is also kids who had started late per se. And then the first time you go in for winter break camp and they group you all by age instead of by level. And I'm like, wow, there are 10 year olds who are doing really, really cool things. And that kind of humbles you really quickly. Also, like my gym is really built for not going past level I'm at right now. Like we had a, a teammate when I did TNT who broke our spring on our track because she was so powerful and wow. then ended up going to Dynamo instead, which is like the, the best gym in Canada for um, trampoline and tumbling. Um, so really like once you get to a certain skill level, you leave, which is sad, but that's just like the equipment that we have. Um, and so I didn't realize really that I'm not the big fish in this tiny, that I am this big fish in tiny pond until I go to a different pond. You mentioned that you've graduated college already. Like, are you working right now or, um, like how, how are you making the training work? I think that's always a question uh, and concern of adult gymnasts because, you know, unfortunately as adult, unfortunately, or fortunately as adults, we have to make a living. So it can be tough balancing the need to earn income that we need to pay for our training. Mm -hmm. So there's three different answers. The first is recreational coaching, um, which has taken a hit in Ontario because of our lockdowns and returns and lockdowns again and returns. Um, The second is that I'm using my degree. So I went to school for studio art and now I sell a bunch of stickers and it's of any sort of theme. And there's just, I lucked out where that the audience I can reach best as a 23 year old is more 17 to 23. And so they're always looking to cover their computers with stuff that I draw. Um, the third is there's a company called Lost Tribe Esports or Lost Tribe. Um, and they initially started out as a gaming community that aims to strengthen Jewish identity for kids and teens who otherwise wouldn't have access to safely participate in Jewish communities. 
whether that be that Jews are now more targeted for hate crimes or that just these buildings aren't open for them. There's now an online outlet instead for them. Um, And last summer, they actually opened an athletics division where they've brought in college age or recently graduated now pro athletes into their circle just to help kids stay in sports rather than just gaming. So I'm very happy to talk about them. And I'm, I'm lucky that they're supporting me through the games and fostering more connections between me and the athletes I look up to. That's great. That's, that's amazing. And it's another kind of aspect of the time we're in where NIL deals are even possible for not just athletes like SUNY Lee, who before like this year might not have been able to come back and like compete in the NCAA. But the, the amazing thing about NIL is that you can be somebody who's not necessarily a household name, but you can still get deals. And I think I've even read that micro influencers like do the best anyway with NIL, uh, NIL deals because they have that engaged audience. And it sounds like it sounds like pretty perfect. Like you mentioned, like your art and your audience of 17 to 23 year olds. It, it, it seems like there's like you're like in the right space, like in it um, in the right time. And it's benefiting your gymnastics and so many others. So that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. So on the train of lost tribe, while I'm still thinking in that direction, um, over the summer when I wasn't sure if I was training for fun or training for the games and really not sure how quick my difficulty would come back. Um, I dropped as a little like side note, like PS on an email. And I said, you're in contact with, um, Ethan Zahn from survivor who I'm like the biggest fan of, like he's my childhood hero. They said, Oh, well, do you want to like talk to him? Cause like we can set that up. And speaking with Ethan, who I watched on TV as a kid and like adored as a child, he was talking to me. He goes, you know, I'm going too. it'll be fun. And I only got to go because, you know, I trained really hard too now. And he'll be competing in um, master soccer. So the like 35 up soccer. Um, and so to hear somebody who I grew up on TV watching, like my Jewish hero, my favorite TV show, won it like to talk to him. Like I, that was awesome thing that lost tribe does more so than just like, here's a shirt and when we'll pay you to do your sport. I think the, the community aspect of it is really what I'm trying to say that I'm most appreciative of. Perry, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's, it's amazing. And I, and you, you mentioned you'll be competing this summer. So hopefully if we follow you on social media, we can kind of stay updated on, on how you do, where can people find you on social media? You can find any of my stickers on Instagram um, at pgoodsfineart, all as one word, or you can follow me just as a person doing my person things at, at Perry Goodman. Thank you for listening to this episode of Better Late.